When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, folks? It is Bleacher Creatures, episode 163, brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Road War Gaming. Rivercrest NYC. So, uh, Keenan Middleton, how are we feeling? <laughs> World Series back on. Let's go. <laughs> what a joke, man. Dude, it's just, I, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how Kevin Cat or Kevin Cashman, as I'm watching the Tampa Bay game. Five, oh, five nothing right Ryan now. Great. Cashman. Yeah. I don't know how he looks at this team. It's just like, oh, it's just a bad year. The Yankees are hitting two fucking 30 on the season. That is the second lowest in all of baseball. Brian like- Gashman is the master of two things can be true because, yes, this is a bad year. Everyone is underperforming. Like, I'm just – the frustrating part is the out-and-out out lying about it. Like, Rizzo's clearly injured. Like, Stanton isn't 100%. Judge isn't 100%. Like something like there's a a flaw in the system. The way he's communicating isn't working. Boone has completely lost this team. It, yeah, it's, it's terrible, man. I mean, these these games, you know, like talent rises to the top, and you know, sure you get your few like, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You get the few just kind of. Crazy, unexpected, you know, performances at the beginning of the season. You know, you have you have the random like teams that come out hot and and you know they're lighting the world on fire and you're and guys start asking the question, oh, is X team for real? But normally, what happens during the course of a 162 game season is the talent always rises and that and teams become what you expect them to become, right? Sure. So. The overperforming, like, Marlins have come back to earth, and, you know, they're struggling a bit. Meanwhile, Baltimore has kept steadily, like, increasing, increasing, increasing in terms of talent and wins and, and what have you. And we have seen in the past two series now, the current series against Tampa and the previous series against Baltimore, that the gap between the Yankees and both the Rays and the Orioles is not just a gap. It's a gulf. It is huge. It's a chasm. There's no way that they are bridging it. And then, you know, the Yankees have very questionable future assets that are, that are about to come in. You know, like, you still got guys who are very young who are not going to help this team in the immediate future. And you have an opportunity to, to deal with some of these expiring contracts and maybe recuperate some assets. And you don't. I... The, this is what sinks franchises. This is what this is a death sentence for franchises. 
when you don't know what you are, you don't know if you're going to be a buyer or a seller, so you just decide to do nothing because all it is is just delaying the inevitable. You're just pushing it back, and, and now we're just putting on – we're hoping. Like, this is the New York fucking Yankees. We're talking about hoping next year is going to be a bounce-back year. We were saying that shit last year with these players. Yeah. Like, at what point do you just call a spade a spade and you cut ties? Like – I don't know, man. It... To to say nothing of the fact that the, let's just speaking of calling a spade a spade, let's just do that right now. This has been a weird season across the board. Yankees were supposed to be top contenders, not happening. Padres, not happening. Diamondbacks, good out of nowhere. The Central in both leagues, terrible as usual. The Mets, I... they just traded Verlander back to the Astros. I remember seeing a tweet, I think, you know, a couple months into the season where it's just like, I don't I outside of maybe two or three fan bases in all of baseball, no one is having a good time. <laughs> and I think that's pretty accurate. Like at the time of the tweet, I think the only teams you could say are having a good time. I don't even think you could say Baltimore was having a good time because they had not yet started their like, you know, surgeon surgeons back up. No, 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 no. But, Baltimore didn't start swinging their dicks till like Memorial Day at the earliest. Yeah. So, like, at the time, it was, like, I think Arizona, Tampa, and uh, who, who I don't know. <laughs> uh, Atlanta. Like, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. There you go. Oh, God. The, so, Yankees have, the Yankees have three games in Atlanta later this month, by the way. Oh, great. Hey, it'll be fun to watch Acuna. Yeah, Ronald Acuna is going to steal 10 bases <laughs> and hit full home runs. In case you haven't noticed, folks, Alec and I have basically punted this season. We're looking towards the offseason. And I don't know if you've been looking at Twitter. Uh, speaking of that, this seems like a good lead, uh, lead into it. I'm preparing you now. I'm preparing the listeners now. I think Aaron Moon is coming back as a lame duck next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't expect Cashman to have the set on him to, to fire Boone. I mean, it, like... I mean the the one were you, were you watching the game yesterday? Uh parts of it. Did you see the shot that Yes did where it literally cut to every single player's face in the field after uh, like, I'm I'm not reading thing. I'm not reading anything into that man. Come on. No, 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 no. But it's just like just cutting into it and just seeing how dismal and pathetic everyone was. Like it even went to judge in the bench on the bench. And it's just like this team is a dead team walking. And then you have you have Boone just doesn't know when to just shut the fuck up. Because that comment about, oh, I thought we uh or my, no, I'm sorry, it was the final game of the Baltimore series where at the end of the game he was like, you know, we had some good at bats and, and blah 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 blah. It's like, dude, you struck out 18 times. 18 strikeouts in a 27. Okay. I, I'm I'm rarely I can't believe it. I'm actually gonna go to bat for Boone in this case. I, I don't hey. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if they were good at bats. I don't care that you got Dean Kramer out of the game in the fifth inning when it was a when it was a seven-nothing game at that point. What I don't care consistent base they, runners, too. Yeah, I like I don't care about all that because at the end of the day, you struck out 18 fucking times, and then the next day you struck out 15 times. So you struck out over thirty uh, times in a two game span. What? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's kind of like the same thing with analytics. Well, these analytics say that he should be doing this. It's like you know, what? 
you're gonna you're witnessing a complete 180 of my philosophy as a hitter because I I went from fully believing into analytics, not not saying that they should be the end all be all, but thinking that analytics are a decent metric for us to go by. And now I'm saying that every team that goes solely based off analytics or live and live and die by analytics are fucking idiots. Because I mean, it's, it, it, it's like it's, it's like robbing the game of some of the best talent that is has ever been seen because we're letting decisions be made by computers and I've had enough of it. I've had enough of it. I wash my hands. <laughs> <laughs> that is the signature Alec Monte Camel rant of the season. The last one, oh man, last year it was about Otani and the Angels being a poverty franchise, just like <laughs> the Yankees were at the time, like they are now. Um, but yeah, it's like we were saying two weeks ago. There's absolute utility to analytics for pitching, for hitting. There, it's a measuring stick. It's not a scouting tool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like, again, like, like, again, these are batting two thirty. That's two points under the Detroit Tigers. I saw the Tigers earlier this year when they were in Philadelphia, yeah. and I remarked to my buddy how it didn't seem like there was a single player in the Tigers lineup who was slugging over three fifty. And now you're telling me that the Yankees have a lower team batting average than the Detroit fucking Tigers? Thank God. The uh, uh, who, who's the worst team in baseball right now? It's uh, it's one of the A's or the Royals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank God the A's are around because the A's are seven points lower than the Yankees. But if it wasn't for a fucking double A team playing in the majors right now, the Yankees would be the worst hitting team in all of baseball. Uh, you've got some opinions today. You you are bringing the spice. Well, you know, the, the the New Hampshire angry is rubbing off on you. Well, you know, it's funny because this is probably the one season where I actually genuinely do not care about the team because I saw this coming a mile away. But it's just the poor – it's not even about the Yankees. It's about just the baseball side of it. Is not. It's not good baseball. It is awful. Yeah. It is – it is some of the worst, you know, a team is an entertainment industry. It, it, this, this is a, you put a product out there and you sell that product to your fans to get fans to come in. And Brian Cashman is sitting there saying, this is the best product we're going to put out there. That, that, that this is the product that collapsed, collapsed, capitalized, collapsed last year yeah. after an incredible start. And has now been mediocre 500 baseball for the entirety of the season is getting their shit kicked down their throats by Tampa, by Baltimore, by whoever. It's not even fucking close. And now Cashman saying, oh, well, you know what? Next year is going to be the year. Next year is when we're going to run run it back with Rizzo, with Stanton, with – and I know these guys aren't guys you can get rid of, but, like, this was a disaster five years in the making – and now we're seeing the consequences of it. And let, let's let's give the Yankees a little grace this year. You lose Aaron Judge for two months, no good is going to come from that. No, but, but good teams find ways to overcome and overcome. Yes, that run. that yes, you're right. Like the the level of talent on this team shouldn't is not is not so low that they should be where they are right now. It is the grossest of gross underachievements. Let's pivot to the offseason. Hire a new manager. Who you got? Dude, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know what? Fuck it. It can't get much worse. Maybe we go with Mattingly. Like like maybe. Why not? You bring, 
I love that legacy Yankee and 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 try to change, try to remind everyone that they're the fucking Yankees. Yeah, like, probably. Like uh, you, you were big that, mad tonight, huh? You were big mad tonight, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just you. you you look at the game going on right now. It's five nothing. You know they lose. However, they whether they lose nine three yesterday, seven three yesterday, nine three, and then how the Baltimore series ended, where Severino gives up seven runs to his first eight hitters. Like it's, you know, I I don't understand how anyone can defend what you're seeing right now, and it's. It's embarrassing, you know. I try to say I don't care, but it's still a little embarrassing. But it's just like it's just frustrating. It, it's because again, this is an organ organization that is gaslighting its fan base into thinking, oh well, next year's the year. Cashman keeps coming out with these stupid excuses, you know. No, if it wasn't for the Astros cheating in the 2017 series, we would have won the World Series. Well, too fucking bad, dude. Like it happened. Yeah, like it, over. it's over. Stop, stop acting like that. That was your moment, and now you don't feel obligated to go all in again it's like it, it, it's just frustrating it's very frustrating and like the, the only excuse that cashman should have for this pathetic trade deadline is if let's say dylan carlson was his biggest target right mm-hmm. the the cardinals were apparently asking for <clears throat> they're asking for a young starting pitcher who is re- who is major league ready? Yankees don't have that, but they traded Jack Flaherty, got some good prospects. Carlson's still on the team, but it's very clear they don't have any plans for him in the future. So Cashman probably figured, okay, I can get him for much cheaper in the off season for like what I'm actually willing to pay for. So like that aside, though, like didn't even make a play for Randall Grichik. Didn't even. Not that Jordan Montgomery would have helped, but like didn't even call about him. Uh, it's frustrating. It's like you th- you you're like wish in one hand for them to do something, shit in the other, and now we got to go wash our hands. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I and I think I think a lot of Yankee fans would agree with me because you know, as passionate as Yankee fans can be, they're also smart for the most part. If Cashman had been forthright and transparent going into the deadline, we could accept that. But we got radio silence out of him. We get all these fucking reports from all these reporters saying that the Yankees are looking to upgrade a catcher, at left field, at third base, and they get a relief pitcher and a project starting pitcher? Uh well, that that's the one move I'm actually. I wouldn't even say I'm excited about it. I'm more intrigued because Spencer Howard, like the idea of Spencer Howard and Matt Blake, makes me very excited. And just looking at his at his numbers in the minors, I think they're going to make him a high leverage reliever. Because you, 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 you see the you see the K's per nine, you see the walks per nine. They're both high. Great setup guy, maybe a closer. He's a college arm. They know what to do with college arms. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. But again, it's, and I think I said this earlier, um, 
you know, the Yankees aren't a college arm project or a relief pitcher project away from like solidifying a good run. No. Like these are issues. Like these are issues that extend so that requires much more than just like a facelift or whatever. Uh, you, and, you, you know what? Let, let's flip the script. Let's make the football analogy. You're a Giants fan. Have the Yankees become almost the Cowboys of the of Major League Baseball? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a fair, a fair analogy there. Yeah, absolutely. I I was actually talking to Caitlin about this on our balcony the other night. I was I said like in a way the Yankees have become the Dallas Cowboys of Major League of Major League Baseball, and she asked how how do you mean? And I said, well, no, they got this long championship tradition of like twenty odd years ago, and also like recent ish where lots of good lots of great players have come through. It's like a whole laundry list of players, but ever since a certain point. It's been like, okay, we've got all this talent, but never like we've never gotten over the hump. But now we've gotten to the more recent Cowboys. So I'm talking I'm talking like the okay, the Brian Cashman Yankees are like the Jason Garrett Cowboys of the last, let's say, three years of his time with the team. They had all the talent in the world. But just a whole milk toast approach just kept them from doing that one extra mile, you know? Right. And we've talked about, like, the Yankees, they're so grounded in this stupid tradition, the Yankee way. When does it end? Uh, when the Steinbrenners sell. I'm not, I, I, I don't know when that will be, but it will end when the Steinbrenners sell the team. And who knows so, when so, so when Hal dies. Yeah, um, I'm going through a good friend of the podcast, Max Goodman's uh, tweets. I don't know if you've seen uh, his reports on what Cashman has said to the media. Oh, God, um, I've, been, I've been reading them all. They're oh, what a joke. Brian Cashman, we are in it to win it. We stayed the course <laughs> because of that. He mentioned the returns of Nestor Cortez and Jonathan Loizaga as the boosts or as boosts the rest of the way. This was the best play for us with the team we have still within striking distance. Oh, please. And continued. Hopefully we got a little bit better with Middleton. Hopefully we can get better from within and hopefully we didn't get worse by making a bad decision. That's three fucking hopefullys he mentions. We're relying on hope to turn the shit around. This like this is how far the Yankees have fallen. And it's incredible. It, it's it's watching the Hindenburg happening. Three years left on the contract, man. Brian Cashman, we could have gone a different way. We could have obviously taken a wrecking ball to it. But I honestly felt, based on the opportunities that presented themselves, that that didn't make any sense whatsoever. They forced us into a let's double down and go for it. Are you kidding me? You see the writing on the wall, and you ignored it he's not as smart as he as as he thinks he is brian cashman is a great negotiator he is not a baseball man like, i don't even think he's a i mean like negotiator in what sense like trades or used to be at least well he used to be not i don't think he is anymore and then like there was that one little resurgency where he he acquired the geo or and the luke voigts and all of a sudden they became something 
yeah then, but yeah but oh, okay but at the same at the same time like juice balls enhanced all their legacies yeah well i mean like geo show was hitting 290 this year yeah Before, but yeah but he, he he wasn't batting like 300 with 20 odd home runs like he was in 2019 true but you know i don't know dude <laughs> you know i don't know like you, you look. Go back to you know here. Let, let's play a little little game. Nineteen ninety eight, New York Yankees. That's the greatest overachievement of all time. Let's do it. All right. Jorge Posada, eight twenty four OPS with seventeen home runs in sixty three games, or and sixty three RBIs in one hundred eleven games. Batted two sixty eight. Cool. That'll get him playing on any team. Tino, 28 home runs, 123 RBIs, 860 OPS. Perfect. Chuck Knobloch, 265 with 17 home runs. Perfect. Jeter, 19 home runs. Scott Brocious, 19 home runs. Chad Curtis played 151 games with 10 home runs. And then you had Bernie, you had Paul, and you had Strawberry doing their thing. I mean, these are like Chuck Knobloch, he had an OPS of 765, but, but why did he work? Right? Why did Chuck Knobloch work on a team like the 1998 New York Yankees? Because they had the pieces surrounding him to make what he does, what he did well. Which let's see here: Chuck Knobloch batted 265, walked more times than he struck out, and had an OBP of 361. How many times was he hit by a pitch that year? You good question. Hit by pitch 18 times. Hey, there you go. A, a dude who would do whatever he could to get on base. He scored 117 runs that season, the second most on the Yankees. Okay. So why does a guy like that work really well? Because you have these all-around good batters who create a one through nine just onslaught of offensive pro- production. Now, I'm not talking about guys who have the OPSs of 968 or, or 1,000, or slugging 550, or or 600, or what have you. You know, the highest slugging percentage came from, can you guess who it came from? A 98? Yeah. 98 highest slugging, that would have been probably Daryl that year. No, it was Bernie. Bernie was my second guess. And, and yeah, I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was yeah one of the two of them, yeah. In 128 games, Bernie had 26 home runs. He also had 30 doubles. Paul O'Neill, my boy, 24 home runs, 40 doubles. Scott Brocious slugged 472. 19 home runs, 34 doubles. Like, and let's see, the most strikeouts from a player on that team was, oh, look at that, was Derek fucking Jeter at 119. It. Where did this baseball go? We see glimpses of it. We see players who, who do perform at that level, but there has been such an abandonment of the simple philosophy of hitting, which is get on base more times that you don't. And I'm not talking about, you know, money ball shit. I mean, guys who are just fucking bastards at the plate, the savages that we thought the Yankees were going to be. Like, it, it, you compare a team like that, and I know that's a historically great team, but, like, you compare a team like that and just guys who understood in what it meant to be a Yankee, the expectation that they should be winning, and the hunger and drive to win, and now you got, like, you know, over the course of almost 30 years, you know, the game is unrecognizable. 
Didn't I say in either just between us or maybe in a group chat, didn't I say that either I said or someone we know said that the downside of the ship being banned is that we were going to have to teach guys how to hit all over again. And we're seeing that this year with these Yankees. It's very clear that this is a team full of guys who were taught how to hit over a shift, that if they did anything less than a home run, that they did not do their job. And it took Anthony Volpe doing a chicken parm dinner and remembering how to hit bat to ball as opposed to swinging for the fences every friggin' time that as he grounds out right now. Great. So, yeah, but no, you're you're absolutely right. The, the, the raw fundamentals of hitting have gone out the window. And look, I get it. Home runs are part of the game. The team that hits more of them per game usually wins the game. That's how it's always been. But you can't live and die by the home run. We saw this with the 2015 Blue Jays. They hit home runs left, right, and center. You know what happened to them? They were bounced in, the, in I think it was the ALCS, maybe, maybe beforehand. They didn't win at all. The teams that rely on home runs the most rarely win the whole thing. It has to be a balance of it all. And yes, I, I don't come at me with the analytics stuff. I know that every team uses analytics, but you know what? Some teams use it better than others, and the Yankees are not using them properly. We know this now. They're doing it fine with pitching, but with hitting, they haven't figured it out, and they're not going to until there's a full regime change. End of discussion. The Yankees have one batter in their lineup who has an on-base percentage above 330. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's, it's Aaron judge. judge. Yeah, it, it, it's Judge. The second highest is Anthony Rizzo at 329. I, I cannot wait to hear from Cashman just how injured he actually was all year long. I, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, like he was playing I with a broken I mean, like, I, I don't know if he's having vision issues because, like, the biggest thing for me. Is the decisions he is making, and like I, I messaged you the other day about it. You know, he struck out or he took a strike that was clearly a strike. It was thigh high inside corner. Yeah, right, right not he's, even the inside corner, right down Broadway. And he said something to the umpire as if the umpire was crazy. It's like, what are you seeing? And then, and then, and then he'll swing. He'll just flail at a curveball that bounces. I don't know, 10 feet in front of home plate. And look, before anyone like, you know, wants to say, well, yeah, he's facing major league pitching. I want to see you do it, Alec. It's like, you know what? I'm not saying that I might be good enough to hit that ball. I'm saying I would be good enough to lay off of it because out of the hand, there's no way you can tell me that he thinks it's a strike. Like, there's no way. It, it, these decisions, it, it's rotten to the core. Bad swing decisions, bad pitch. Ident- like, I, I, it, Everything about it is rotten and corrupted, and it needs to be purged with fire. Viking fire? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't think on that one. Well, well, you said Viking, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, see, I was thinking about Slaughter to Prevail's new song, Viking, and so I agreed. Oh, I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, any any uh, uh, metal fans out there, hit me up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, in terms of blowing the team up, I, I actually have sat on this for a bit. So it, you've said um, many times, no matter what lineup the Yankees put out there on opening day, their pitching staff is currently set up so that 
they're at least going to have a chance coming out of spring training, right? And so you've got Cole, you got Rodon, Nestor, Clark. Clark Schmidt has looked really good recently. Maybe you sign a guy on a one-year uh, to be the number five. Maybe it's Johnny Brito. I don't know. Uh, so the pitching seems pretty set. Uh, Trevino, okay, he's he's holding uh, Austin Wells a spot open. Bring him back, see if the wrist was was really that much of an issue, and then trade him once Wells is ready. Uh, the same goes for Rizzo. He has an opt-out after next year. If he's still bad, trade his expiring contract if you can. Uh, oddly enough... Keep Glaber Torres. Yeah, like again, going back to like you know what made a guy like Chuck Knobloch so effective is like he had the good pieces around him and he did what he does best. Maybe Glaber is starting to identify what he does best. Um, I can't yeah. complain too much about his season, but you know. Again, you need more people around him, like to take pressure off. Like you need to fully flush, like flesh out this lineup to where you're playing to everyone's strengths and weaknesses. Like Glaber is a very streaky hitter, and if if Cashman's reasoning is or logic is, we're going to run with this team for another year or another two years, exactly how it is. I mean, like there's no fucking point in keeping a guy like Glaber. It, like he just does not work in this team. We, I think we've seen the peak of what he is. He's, he's peaks and valleys. He's not going to yeah. be the consistent hitter. Everyone thought he was going to be the 38 home runs. We've all agreed was a mirage that ain't coming back, but he doesn't need to be a 38 home run guy. I'm perfectly fine with 16 to 20 home runs or 16 to 25 home runs in a season. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's a one man show and judge. Yeah. I like, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I think guys like Glaber, and even a guy like IKF, are perfect complementary team pieces that could round out a complete team. It's just the Yankees aren't even close to being complete, no, and that's that's disappointing. So, I mean, knowing Cashman though, he's probably gonna let you know IKF walk and hold on to Ben Wortbelt and give. Uh, give Donaldson one last chance, and you know, then we're stuck with two guys who are well, 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 Donaldson, his contract is up at the end of the year, and his option isn't going to vest. Yeah, well, so we'll see. Um, yeah, so I don't know how many times I can say <laughs> Cashman's a fucking idiot. So just, just watch, man. He's he's gonna keep gaslighting us because he we say he's a fucking idiot, and then sure enough, come the offseason, he's gonna swing some deal where we're gonna go, oh shit, and then we're gonna be making Bambi eyes at him all, all over again. No, I, I can tell you right now that's not gonna happen. <laughs> You're full I, of shit. I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand how it wouldn't be a good idea, not just for the present of the Yankees franchise, but also for the future of the Yankees franchise. Why wouldn't you deal the expiring pieces you have on your big league roster, the Harrison Baders, the Wandy Peraltas, even to an extent in IKF? Why not deal them and get pieces back and then use the rest of the season as a showcase for the talent that are supposed to carry the, the next great Yankee team? Why not well, give, why not give Peraza the rest of the season to figure shit out? 
And I, even, even if he didn't figure shit out, that doesn't mean that he doesn't get a second chance next year. But let him just be pressure-free and learn how to hit big league hitting. Like, we did it with Judge. We're doing it with, with uh, Volpe. Why can't we do it with Peraza, who we were also very high on, and who could be a very form, like very impactful one-two punch with, with Volpe in the middle of the lineup? Because we Torres is blocking the way, that's why. Well, yeah. Well, like, you deal again, another reason to deal with Torres, because you're probably going to get the best return out of him. Um, but, you know, again, he's not going to do that. You have Everson Pereira. Who is lightening up at AAA? Let's see what he has. Let's see what the what Andres Chaparro has at the major league level. You know, there. I keep thinking back to like names. Some of them have fallen off. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But like there were pieces, in past Yankee farm systems that were intriguing that were never given a good look, and they went on to be productive elsewhere. Elsewhere, I know he's fallen off a bit, but Ben Gamble was a guy who had a few productive years and could have been a nice cheap option instead of giving Hicks a seven-year contract who and then who gave us worse production than a Ben Gamble in the three or so years where he was a productive major league player. You let Tyro Estrada, regardless of your opinions, Josh, on how his uh, hitting luck is, you have Tyro Estrada being more than serviceable in San Francisco. Like these are the pieces that have been out there. You had, you know, for the longest time, you had Luke Voigt, who was a serviceable major leaguer, and we got rid of him. Like, you know, it went from like Cashman trying to not do the Yankee way of spending big in free agency or whatever to, you know, trusting the small analytical pieces to see if he can build a money ball like team. And for a little bit, it did work. And then we got. And then we ran into the Astros. And then we ran into the Astros again. Yeah. And then it all fell apart. I mean, and I it, get you feel the pressure. But you look at a team like the Astros, how did the Astros get there? How does Tampa get here? Homegrown talent. Yeah. And you let and you let them run. You give them a long leash and you let them run. God damn it. I'm talking about the Yankees, but I feel like I'm also talking about the New York Rangers. Anyway. <laughs> Laviolette's going to the East Finals, man. Prepare yourself. <laughs> but, you know, you have these intriguing pieces that can be contributors at the big league level, not just next year, but in the next couple years. Like, just see what they have. Uh, I just I just took a look at Everson Pereira's numbers in AAA. If he isn't at least competing for a starting outfield spot next spring training, that's a big problem. Yeah. The, the strikeouts and, and low walks are an issue, but he got promoted to AAA, and, oh, he's actually hitting better there. Yeah. Like, yeah, two, you know, like 291 I, I, in Somerset versus 325 at Scranton. As I look at um, the Yankees' prospects, and I try to judge, like especially at, at the AAA level, if I think they could be ready for a cup of coffee, one thing that I look at is kind of like their strikeouts – in relation mm-hmm. to how many games they played. Yeah. Um, who were we talking about? Uh, was it today? About Oh, it was uh, like Floreal. Right? Yeah, Floreal, how he's good, but the strikeouts are still a problem. Yeah, he's still almost striking out twice every game. So, like, yeah, that you kind of know what you're going to get out of him, even though he's hitting, like, 290-something with 20-something home runs. Like, I, if he's not hitting bombs or doubles, he's striking out. But yeah, like Everson Pereira, fifty-four strikeouts in four, or, or I'm sorry, twenty-four strikeouts in eighteen games at AAA, seventy-eight on the year at sixty-four, not terrible. 
you would like to see that number cut down to be almost like one to one. I think. I think if a, if a guy is almost one to one with strikeouts and games played, I think you could be happy with that. I think you can like, you know, take a chance on someone like that. Um, I think we also got to start rethinking how we look at strikeouts because okay, a guy might have a high strikeout rate, but what is it? What is his chase rate compared to it? Yeah, because because if you're striking out a bunch, but you're not swinging at balls out of the zone, then that's okay by me. Yeah, if if they're smart strikeouts, strike out as much as you want. Or like you know, look at look at uh, Andres Chaparro. You know why? I know this kid is not much of a glove. He's 24 years old, but why haven't we given him a chance in AAA this year? You know he's hitting 249 with a 476 slugging, with 19 home runs, and he's struck out 85 times in 92 games. Like. He's below a strikeout per game. He seems to have a decent understanding of the strike zone. He's not going to hit for high average, but he'll give you a little bit pop. He'll give you a little bit of juice and a little bit of life. You know, why isn't that a guy who we can't just be like, hey, let's bring him up and give him like third base or even first base or just DH him from time to time? You know, it, like if Aaron Judge would, would not have become Aaron Judge if we were so quick to judge him, you know? Yeah. So you got to let you got to let these players prove to you that they have what it takes. And then, you know, if they if they fail, then, oh, well, you gave them a legitimate shot instead of running out the Donaldson's, the Hicks, the whoever time after time after time. When you're paying them like, yeah, I'm going off on a tangent. Are you at least enjoying your? You at least enjoying your vacation? Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm like I'm I'm working most of the time, but you know New Hampshire is beautiful. My first time up here, so nice. Um, Granite State. Yeah. Are the Fisher Cats in town? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know where where do they play out of. Uh, good question. Let's see. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats. They play out of. Uh, the stadium is in Chester. Hold on, I'm looking. Yeah, Manchester. I wonder how far that is. We're here till Friday, so I mean, Delta Dent- D- Delta Dental Stadium. <laughs> anyway, backtracking. Uh. You're touching on something with the with the Chaparros and the Pereiras that made me think of the Astros because the Astros last year, I will beat the drum on this and die on this hill. The Astros, even though they won the World Series last year, that was easily their weakest team since they started kind of peacocking around the AL. Mm-hmm. However, one thing that lineup had in common top to bottom, and this included Chaz McCormick of all people, mind you, Every single one of those guys, regardless of overall talent, how many home runs they hit every year, was capable of making that one big swing. Yeah. And the Yankees, I think they're focusing too much on the one big swing and not so much the swings you need to take to lead up to the one big swing. Because power power isn't built overnight. It's not something you can just turn on and off like a faucet. As much as the analytics people like to say that. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you're looking at, I'm looking at that roster right now. 
and you had at least 20 home runs out of Altuve, Pena, Bregman, Kyle Tucker, and Jordan. Oh, man. I love so, Kyle Tucker. Like, and that's the thing. Where are why aren't the Yankees developing talent like this? Again, kind of going back to the idea that everything is like everything is diseased or corrupted or just like rotten to the core. You know, when the Houston Astros are winning World Series and appearing in AL appearing in ALCSs all the time, and you know, then they got guys like Kyle Tucker like coming up and finally being what you know they need him or wanted him to be. You know, like. I know the it's Yankees have been top 10 in God knows how long, but th- they are not getting talent through their system as often as, you know, they need to. No, they're not. Because it's, it's, it's bad. It's real bad. But hey, Keenan Middleton, right? Spencer Howard? <laughs> uh, cast off after cast off. Yeah, yeah and we're losing five nothing. Great. All right. Well, short episode today, folks. Like, wish we had better news, but all right, it's gonna be a long two months of the season, and hopefully, we can get to some off-season speculation. All right. I mean, like, like you want you want to make the last two months like worth something. Get the kids up and play them. Yeah. And just see what you have and evaluate yeah. how you approach the future off of the final two months with some of these kids because they're at a crossroads with some of these guys and they got to figure out what they're going to do, but they're not, they're not going to do it. We're going to, we're going to stay in mediocrity and it's going to condemn the team five years down the road, seven years down the road. And then all of a sudden, you know, as the rest of the AL East gets younger or more exciting and better talent, you know, the Yankees are just going to be old, slow, unathletic talking about how they would have won the world series in 2017, if not for the Houston Astros. You if my uncle had wheels, he'd be a bicycle. Anyway. Y'all done with that? Is my cat's yeah, getting her way into the picture? All <laughs> right. Well, thanks for listening to us complain about everything, folks. This was a special Alec LaGreca episode. I, I told I... myself I was not going to go on a Don LaGreca rant today. You went on several Don LaGreca rants today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just put, him in, put us in a room together and we'll just yell at each other. Yeah, yeah, but not, in... not even about the same thing. We'd just be, yeah, you know. two angry Italian boys. Yeah, take us to like Katz's Deli or whatever in the city, and just let us let us cook. <laughs> yeah, invite me and JJ along for the ride. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, folks. We will see you next week. <laughs>